At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Good morning and welcome to the second hour of A Numbers Game. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander this week, next week as well. Gil, of course, off on a vacation. Who knows where he is, but we know he's gone until next Monday, right? So we'll be with you for one more week here on ANG. We do have some breaking news coming out of Major League Baseball. Uh, the Metropolitans, who really can't catch a, catch a break when it comes to these injuries for the most part, it has been a rough go for them in terms of their lineup. And now, of course, uh, one arm in which they were hoping to get back at some point uh, has been shut down. This, right now, courtesy of Anthony DeComo, Breaking, Nova Syndergaard has been shut down for six weeks with right elbow inflammation. No structural damage, that's good, but he'll be down until at least August. So there it is, Nova Syndergaard shut down until August. A guy who they were hoping to get back at some point now will not be available potentially until August and late in the season, and who knows where the Mets are at at this point, but the lineup issues in terms of the injuries, it has been some pretty bad luck for the New York Mets this season, and it is really really stunk. And tonight, let's set this up because they do have a doubleheader later this evening and I am pretty fascinated by one of these games, right? So to walk through at least, you know, my strategy when it comes to handicapping Major League Baseball, usually I'll stick with first fives because I just, I guess, enjoy for a certain extent, but I also, when it comes to breaking down numbers and the way that I approach it is, it's so intrinsically tied to these starting pitchers where I'd rather take the bullpens out of the equation, right? I don't know what situation these bullpens are going to be used for. It's very random in terms of the leverage in which these guys will be thrown in there. We have no idea to predict what's going to happen. So I generally like to handicap the starting pitcher 
and go from there. And one of the guys that has stuck out in terms of somebody I think there is uh, some positive regression coming for, and not by a lot, but still some, is Herman Marquez. And so Herman Marquez is going to get the start here uh, for the Colorado Rockies later tonight. He is going to oppose Marcus Stroman in this matchup. Stroman has been very solid too. But Marquez, the reason why, and to walk you through the process, right, I talked a little bit about this earlier in the week uh, when it came to talking with Weingarten. When it comes to looking at numbers, ERA, expected fielding independent, finding some regression in some of those numbers and thinking that, hey, all right, maybe the market is a little too low on a team like this. Or if there are two pitchers whose numbers are very tight, two pitchers who are being very successful, and then you get some lineups that have some issues like these two right here, maybe an opportunity to play this game and under the total. And you see how low the total is. It's a doubleheader, remember, so it's not going to be a full nine. But regardless, you look at these two guys, 482, though, and Herman Marquez, and this is where the intrigue comes in. And maybe you want a little bit more on the plus price for the Rockies. So maybe you sit back and wait and see if Marcus Stroman is going to get bit up here a little bit. But 482 on the ERA for a guy like Herman Marquez. 387, though, in the expected fielding independent. So a difference there that I personally like to see, right? Using that XFIP and seeing that there's a differential of about a run between those two. So that Herman Marquez, you can see, has been pitching relatively solid and better than his ERA would indicate at this point right now. Now, Paul Sporer mentioned this when we talked to him at the top of the hour, and it's a very, very good point. And a part of the reason why Herman Marquez has struggled somewhat this year has been the fact that his walks have not been very good. His walk rate, five point. 0.1.12 in terms of his walks every nine innings. A walk rate right now, 12.8%. You don't really like that that much. Hard contact, though, this year, down from a season ago. Still generating swings and misses at generally the same rate he did over the last few seasons. In fact, his strikeouts are up this year, Herman Marquez. I think there's quite a bit to like here about Marquez in terms of what he's bringing to the table, and there is some regression. So if he can kind of keep this down in terms of the command, I think against a lineup like the New York Mitchell's has kind of scuffled, right, because of the injuries that have been um, just, they've been ravaged by this might be a spot where the Rockies are a little live but a plus 120 sit back and see if maybe you get a little bit more here on the Rockies in a game like this but keep in mind too I, I you know I think Weingarten brought up a really good point when we talked with him and I, you know I see him on social media he points this out quite a bit you know everything that you I always say this right if you know it they know it in terms of the odds makers and a lot of what we discuss is baked into a number and you see it right there a pregame total of five between two pitchers that I think have very high ceilings in terms of what they put out and the fact that Herman Marquez has something to bring forward that I think we haven't really seen over the large sample size here with him and especially on the road where it's a little bit more favorable for him. So I do think that would be the side, but again, we'll see if there's some regression. I shouldn't even say regression. That's not the proper term. We'll see if there's some buyback here on the New York Metropolitans. Drive that number up and get there. Uh, by the way, I can't wait, and that's the other thing about baseball. We'll get more baseball maybe in the bottom of the hour if Wes is not going to be with us. Wes Reynolds, who might be uh, taking in the Indy 500 later today, uh, but seeing what Shohei Otani is going to bring to the table later today, the last time we saw him, diminished velocity was absolutely it was down. It's not even diminished. We're talking about five fewer miles an hour on a lot of these pitches. Very scary in terms of maybe thinking there's something injury-related with Shohei Otani. Uh, but pitch through it, and he's still going to be out there later today. Angels plus 140, Athletics on the other side at minus 150. But seeing what Otani is going to be able to do from a pitching standpoint, if that velocity is still down, and if it still looks like this, like what is wrong with this guy, is going to be a really fascinating follow later this evening. So a lot of the eyes in baseball are going to be on the Angels tonight. All right, it is a numbers game here on VSIN, the sports betting network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil. Uh, let's bring in Andy Bailey. 
Daly was nice enough to give us some time today. Does a lot of NBA coverage, of course, for Bleacher Report, and we have a lot to get to and get some differing thoughts on a lot of the things going down in the association. So, Andy, I very much appreciate the time. So I wanted to start with, I think, which has been the most fun series up to this point. That was over in Madison Square Garden. The Knicks even it up, get a 1-1 split at home, so they lose home court, got to go back to Atlanta. So my general thought here as I watched those first two games, Andy, was, you know, I feel like if you backed Atlanta, like I did, so keep that in mind and take it with a grain of salt, I might be a little biased here, is that I think you feel kind of good going back home. You know, I think there seems to be quite the gap between the starters between these two teams, but the bench has been phenomenal. But are we going to actually see Derrick Rose play almost 40 minutes a game in this series? Like, I feel like what the Knicks have done offensively isn't quite as sustainable as what we've seen from Atlanta. Oh, and by the way, the wide-open shots that are generating. Am I, are you getting the same vibe from watching this series, or am I way off in your mind? No, I, I think you're right on whether you backed Atlanta or not. I, I thought going into this series there was – a pretty clear talent gap. Um, there's just so much offensive firepower on that Hawks roster, and their record doesn't quite reflect that because they, they didn't really get everything sort of coalesced or on track until Nate McMillan um, took over. So I think the team that Atlanta was for the last couple months, to me, is comfortably better than the Knicks. And I'm sure there's some Knicks fans who would say, well, we've been great for the last couple months too. Um, but I, I just think there's sort of an intangible talent gap there that's going to be hard for them to overcome and then you know for for long stretches of game two atlanta looked like the better team even though they lost um and and sometimes that happens when you're on the road you can control portions of the game and give up a run and um and i I think home court advantage might be even more pronounced right now because we haven't had fans in the arenas for so long so maybe you get a little bit extra boost from from all that energy and excitement in the arena so I, I think you're you're right on with everything you said there. I, you know, bringing up Rose's minutes is fair too. Um, you know, he hasn't been asked to carry that kind of a load much, really, for you know eight years, nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's it's fair to bring all that up. I do think Atlanta's more talented. The fact that they stole home court, I think, is a, a good sign for them. And I I picked Atlanta to win that series too. So I think things have kind of gone. Uh, as I would expect them. So one of the things that that I've read about a couple of times, it's been out there in terms of evaluating this Knicks defense, and and throughout the season, right, you go through some of the numbers over on the NBA's website, the amount of wide-open attempts this team gives up. Like, that was part of my thinking, too, is, like, that's not sustainable over the course of a best-of-seven against the same opponents who's going to get those same wide-open looks. Like, when you've watched this team, like, is it a scheme thing, why they're giving up so many wide-open looks? And the fact that they haven't really been paying for them up until the last few games is absolutely incredible. Like, for lack of a better term, to be that lucky over such a large sample size of 72 games is nuts, Andy. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is all fair. And, and a lot of times we see, um, you know, certain defenses will be really good one year um, and, and deploy essentially the same scheme the next one and have a wild swing. And it be <laughs> as crazy it is, as it is to chalk it up to luck. Sometimes I think that's probably what it is. Um and, and New York does give up a ton of open looks. And like you said, in, in a, in a seven-game series against a team with as many shooters as the Hawks have, I mean, there's Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, uh, John Collins is an underrated outside shooter. Um, so if they continue to give up all those outside looks, they're, they're gonna get, get, there will be games where they get burned on that. So um, that's, that's a big problem for the Knicks, frankly, and I don't think they have the firepower to keep up if it turns into a shooting contest. Um, you know, I know Julius Randle's three-point percentage sort of shot through the roof 
this season, but I still, you know, I, I don't look at him as a, as a knockdown, he's going to make you pay type of a shooter, and I don't think they have a ton of those guys on their team, frankly. Reggie Bullock might be the only one. Um, even though I'm saying things that just aren't statistically backed up because the Knicks had a good team three-point percentage this season, but history tells me um, that there may be, you know, two or three game stretches for any of these guys where they go cold. So one of the big things that I've been kind of hitting on and I wrote about for our website, right, when it comes to betting these games, if you're going to be betting before, you know, during the series game to game is look for things that are sustainable or unsustainable and, and, and go in that direction. And I think we saw, I, I feel like what the Dallas Mavericks are doing from a shooting standpoint is unsustainable, but it is insane the rate at which this team has been making three-point looks. And some of those are very open looks. You know, the Clippers do have to be better in terms of what they're doing defensively. I don't know what they're doing at times in terms of the strategy, but like what have you made of Dallas in terms of this offense? I, I don't think, and I know this sounds true, but I feel like Tim Hardaway Jr. hasn't missed a shot from three-point range in this series. Yeah. Like Doncic, of course, like every time it leaves the ball, I'm like it's in. Like I don't even have to watch. Like is it? I don't think it's sustainable. But four games, five games, six games is not a really large sample size. So theoretically, it is over the course of one series. Yeah, I feel like they. You know, you're right on. I feel like they would have to cool down. Um, <laughs> At some point, uh, some of the threes that they're hitting, too. I mean, Tim Hardaway's got guys running his face. Porzingis is hitting threes from five or six feet behind the line. Um, so are, there are things you see in that series and just think, yeah, that, that cannot continue. Um, but one thing that we've learned in Luka Doncic's very short career is he will generate those open looks, um, regardless of what defense you throw at him. And I don't think the Clippers have played the Kawhi card enough, um, or, or maybe even the Paul George card. I mean, th- th- these are guys who four or five years ago were widely regarded as, as two of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And I know that Kawhi has a huge responsibility on the offensive end, but at a certain point you have to stop Luka or at least slow him down. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure either one of those guys can even do that, frankly. Um, it, you know, over the course of at least the last two seasons, but really most of his career, whatever adjustments or defenders you throw at Luca, he finds a way to, uh, you know, counter um, and, and still pick you apart. If, if you've got somebody who's slightly slower than him, he can pick you apart from the outside. They've tried to throw Patrick Beverly on him at stretches, and we've seen how that's gone. Um, Luca has had the opportunity to uh, yell that, that Beverly is too small. Um, a few times, so he he can make you pay in a bunch of different ways, um, and the biggest one is that he gets to the paint and he he just has a knack for finding the guy who's who's in the best position to score. Um, his vision and his timing and and his accuracy on passing, um, it it just makes the Dallas Mavericks a deadly offense when he's on the floor, almost regardless of who's out there with him. So what have you made of the, because one of the points of contention in just like the general social media bubble and everything around this series, uh, the Zubach minutes. What have you made of Zubach minutes and the fact that every time he's on the floor, if Luke is out there, they're hunting, they're going to run his guy over, screen him, get him switched on, and, and then they're going to go from there. Like Zubach is a good player, he's a fine player, but this goes back to last year's series, Andy. Like they ate him up last series and they're doing it again in this one. Yeah, I think that's all true. And I, and I think... Um... You know, they'll hunt switches with Zubats if, if he's out there, and they'll find ways to go after Ibaka. Um, it, 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 I honestly don't think it really matters yeah. who the Clippers deploy. Luka has ways um, to go at everybody, frankly. And, and so, 
I, I don't necessarily think the Clippers are cooked. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are already writing the obituary and coming up with fake um, Paul George trades and talking about why, where Kawhi Leonard's going to sign in free agency and all that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm not quite ready to go there yet, but winning four out of the next five, um, regardless of how much talent is on the roster, that's, that's a, that's a huge uphill task. Um, and, and Luca looks like he's just sort of made for these moments. One thing I thought while I was watching game two is, and I don't, I don't know how many parents would have the stomach for this, but I thought, man, if, if you had a superstar athlete, teenager would you want him in the aau circuit um here in america or would you want him getting reps like luka Doncic did um and and luka's an outlier i mean there there aren't going to be a lot of teenagers in the world who are going to be ready for what he did with real madrid um before he came over to the nba um but i i it would be hard to argue that our system of aau and the one and done college thing prepares players for the NBA as well as Luca was prepared. I mean, it's, it's just not close. Yep. My, my son is two and a half. And we're already preparing for it. So uh, he has no choice <laughs> in the matter, but we are going to do that. And we have another one on the way and we're already planning for that one too. Don't even know what's going to happen, but uh, all right, Andy <laughs> Bailey with us, Bleacher Report, NBA writer. Uh, all right, let's talk about a couple of the other series, of course. So one of the ones that I've been fascinated by, and, and I bet the Nuggets before the series started, and I, one of the things that I kept coming back to Andy was, you know, guards, they're almost like quarterbacks, right? Like if you have good guard play, that's going to take the spotlight. Everybody's going to care about that. But I, I made the argument that, look, the edge that the Portland Trailblazers have in the backcourt, I think, is equal to the edge that the Denver Nuggets have in the front court. And I think there are two games we've seen that play out, right? Damian Lillard was absolutely fantastic in both games. He had a great second quarter. But the backcourt was awesome in game one. Shooting was fantastic. They win it. Game two, they still can't stop Denver inside. And the Nuggets win this one. Now we get to game three. What do you make of this series as we are at this point, the assessment between those two edges for both teams, and the slight adjustment we have seen from Michael Malone that we see a little bit more Aaron Gordon on a Damian Lillard like we saw in the second half of Game 2? Yeah, I think you diagnosed that perfectly. I thought that coming into this series that this was really backcourt versus frontcourt. Um, and I was, I was leaning towards Portland because the guy who's missing for Denver is their second-best player. Um, in Jamal Murray. And that's just, it's a lot of offense to try and make up. And I know Michael Porter Jr. has been phenomenal over the last couple months, but there's, there's just, there's the playmaking element, the scoring, and then there's sort of an, a, an intangible intensity that Murray brought. And you saw it, especially for of the playoffs against the jazz um, last season, when he had multiple 50 point games, he has just sort of, I, I will not lose mentality. And I think Denver really misses that. Um, but I think this series is going to go seven games. Um, you know, I, I still probably would lean Portland just because the difference in firepower. But that adjustment that you mentioned with Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard could make a pretty big difference. Um, he's he's got great length, obviously, for a guy defending a point guard, and so he can recover on on some of Lillard's stuff better than most other guys. Like the step back is going to be harder for Lillard to get off against someone who's big and athletic is. Gordon is. Um, I don't know if he can have him chase Lillard around all game because that's just, that's a lot to ask of, of a forward um, like Aaron Gordon, but there are guys who can spell him. I think maybe more minutes for Shaq Harrison might be a good idea too, because um, he's not quite as big as Gordon, but he's, he's a bulldog type defender. He's got really quick hands. Um, I think if you mix those two guys up with Lillard, they can slow him down. Um, 
but I, I just, yeah, I think you're, you're probably right. The gap in, in Portland's backcourt edge is, is probably pretty close to the gap in Denver's frontcourt edge edge. Um, but I just feel like there's a tiny power from Portland. This this is like a toss up to mm-hmm. me, frankly. Um, if if I was forced to choose, I'd probably go Portland, which may seem crazy because I said it would go seven, and that game will be in Denver. Um, but maybe this is because I saw them win a game seven in Denver a couple years right. ago. So it it really could go either way. I, I think it's going to be a, a heck of a series. It's got two offensive superstars um, that are just off the charts. Jokic is unlike anything we've ever seen before and there's nothing Portland can do with him so I wouldn't be remotely shocked if Denver pulled it off so let's go to the early game today Milwaukee and Miami so this was one where I I keep talking about this where I go well you know I thought Milwaukee was going to win it but it seems like through the first two games that maybe the gap between them is a little bit bigger than I kind of expected I thought it would be a six game series what's the takeaway through the first two games here because I think one of the differences too is Giannis the defensive minutes against Jimmy Butler have been absolutely fantastic and this Miami team Andy I think a lot of people talk themselves into the same thing happening that did in Orlando, but this is a team that is a little bit worse, right? We don't have Jay Crowder in this team. They're not as good of a shooting team, and home court is involved now, and I think that makes a pretty big difference. Yeah, I think that makes a huge difference. Um, I think everybody has rightfully talked about the the Bledsoe holiday mm-hmm. upgrade. I think that's big, and I, I frankly, I just think Milwaukee was a better team last season, too. It was just such a weird set of circumstances. Um I don't think there was anything that could have <laughs> lent itself better to heat culture than the bubble. Um, those, those two things just sort of fit together so perfectly. And I, I actually think Miami um, was a little better than they showed in the playoffs too. Like I think if Goran Dragic had been healthy or not the playoffs, I meant the finals. Um, I think if Goran Dragic had been, been healthy for the finals, that would have been a slightly more competitive series, but just in terms of the talent gap, um, I think it's pretty wide between Milwaukee and, and Miami. Um, Jimmy Butler is, he's been phenomenal. I think he's been a clear top 10 player for two years now. And Bam Adebayo isn't, isn't far behind, but the supporting cast kind of falls off a cliff after that, especially like you mentioned after Jay Crowder last. Um, and, and Tyler Hero has not taken the jump that a lot of people thought from him uh, or thought that he would in this season. And, Duncan Robinson, who's really, I think he's one of the best off-ball movers in the league, but so much of his value is tied to how effective he is from behind the arc, and I think he had a five- or six-point drop in effective field goal percentage this season. Um, and that may not be the end of the world for some players, and I guess it isn't the end of the world for Robinson either, but it's pretty significant when that much of your value is tied to shooting. Um so they've, I, I think they've kind of fallen back to where they should be in terms of, you know, just the amount of talent on the roster. So that that series isn't surprising me that much. And, and frankly, the, the more surprising result was game one to me, that it was that close. Um, and maybe that was just sort of a monkey off the back moment for Milwaukee because I think in terms of, of talent and the upside of each roster, Milwaukee is quite a bit better than Miami is. Andrew D. Bailey up on Twitter. Andy Bailey, Bleacher Report, NBA writer as well. Andy, we're up against it, but I appreciate some time early in the morning, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yep, you got it. Again, Andrew D. Bailey up on Twitter. Awesome follow in terms of the association. Yep, three games tonight. I haven't touched much on that Lakers and Suns game, which we'll get to. We see the Suns now catching seven with a total of 211.5. And Chris Paul, can the luck get any worse?
the injuries are nuts in terms of the postseason. Every single year, you can count on a couple of things, right? The Clippers blowing series, and you can count on Chris Paul, unfortunately, suffering an injury. All right, we have plenty left to get to. We're going to get back to the NHL. We do have a Game 7, right? The best words, two words in sports, Game 7. We're going to get the Vegas perspective of things from Adam Hill. We'll see if we can get in touch with Wes. But if not, we got plenty left to get to, especially the world of baseball. It's a numbers game. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a numbers game here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network, presented by BetMGM. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Uh, a little bit of breaking news crossing my timeline before we get to the more important stuff. Uh, but have you guys heard of these Taco Bell cantinas? 
So like they're Taco Bells, but like with liquor licenses, and they'll like they'll have like full serve bar, like all this kind of stuff. There was one that was supposed to open up on the Strip, if I remember correctly, uh, but apparently there's one in Columbia Heights that was set to open today. A line, and a lot of people have been waiting for it to open, and it turns out it won't open until tomorrow at 2 p.m. Some really sad news for the people out in Columbia Heights. I don't even know where that is, but the Taco Bell Cantina has something that has been fascinating me. I don't really enjoy Taco Bell, but a fast food spot that serves alcohol would be very intriguing. Uh, we do have. I want to update something really quickly because we keep talking about this angle in terms of the first half, first quarter thing, and we haven't had the numbers. You just kind of, I'm just kind of speaking in generalities. Like it was a really big hit, right? Like I swear to God, it's actually it used to hit at a very high rate. Well, we do have some numbers behind this. John Ewing uh, does a great job you know, tr- tweeting out all these trends and tying in with a lot of these playoff games uh, since 2005. And this doesn't include the first quarter, but it does give you an idea in terms of the first half. Since 2005, NBA playoff teams down 0-2 have gone 90-49-2 ATS in the first half of Game 3. Now, that's just specifically teams that are down 0-2 in Game 3, right, first half. That does not specify the team coming back home down 0-2, right, first quarter, first half. That was also, in terms of that, very strong. But you get the idea that when you look at that trend right there, that team's down 0-2 in that third game, right, the desperation sets in, all of those things. The first half has been a very strong play for a lot of these teams. But again, as we have talked about, if you know it, they know it, which is why the Bucks are favored for the game at minus one and a half, but the Heat are laying about one, one and a half in the first half and in the first quarter. And while one, one and a half might not seem that much in the first quarter and the first half, you're still paying a tax because that team is an underdog and yet favored to win the first quarter in the first half against that Milwaukee Bucks squad. And we have seen, by the way, the pre-flop change here too, right? Heat opened up as a one-point favorite at home. The market has since shifted that. I would completely agree with that. The Bucks deserve to be favored here. You know, that gap that I'm talking about between these two teams that I thought was a little bit bigger, that is now reflected when you look at this. The Bucks deserve to be favored even on the road against the Miami Heat, a team that has played extremely well at home in the last few seasons and is expected to have full capacity crowd later tonight in the range of about 18,000. But regardless, those numbers give, give you an idea of what you're looking at from that perspective. Uh, really quickly, uh, let's touch on the last game that we haven't actually spent a lot of time on. And I feel kind of bad, mainly because this series was set to be a lot of fun. And we're two games in, and they have split it up to this point. But Chris Paul gets injured, and now the Los Angeles Lakers get home court back. Now go back home to Los Angeles to take on the Suns. And look at the line. Look at the change here in terms of what we have seen from these teams. Game one, Lakers close about a one and a half point underdog to the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul gets injured in that game. Suns ends up winning it. But then you get game two. And what happens? Lakers come out really strong performance, end up winning that game. They closed in that one. Actually opened as a favorite. Closed in that around one and a half, two. And now you come back home after that to a seven-point spread at home against the Phoenix Suns with a total of 211.5. And look, I've been pretty adamant about this. And you finally saw it in Game 2 kind of come to fruition. Again, going with the what has a team done that is able to be carried over uh, easier over the course of a series than others. And in that game, it was a very slow-paced game. But still, Lakers, offensive rating against the Phoenix Suns, 121.1. Two key areas of the floor that the Lakers needed to really thrive against Phoenix to win this series. It was at the rim, and it was in transition. And in that second game against the Phoenix Suns, what happened? The Lakers shot 77, uh, 77, 77.3% within four feet of the basket, 17 of 22. They drew five shooting fouls. And then, of course, in transition, get out in transition, about 12.2% of your possessions. You start with the transition play, but the efficiency is the key. An offensive rating of 150 or 1.5 points per play in transition against the Phoenix Suns. Those two key areas, right? A team that ranked in the 20s in terms of rim defense, as a squad throughout the regular season, and a team that finished dead last, dead last defensively in terms of fast break efficiency. 
The Phoenix Suns need to be exploited in those two areas of the floor for that to happen, and the Lakers did that. And keep in mind, you earned this two-game split. You exploit the weaknesses of the Phoenix Suns in that second game much more efficiently than you did in the uh, first game, and you still had an absolutely abhorrent shooting performance if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. 10 of 32, 31.2% overall. You had guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope who needed to be told by LeBron James, shoot it, I believe in you. So even from the first two games, we have yet to see this shooting. And you know, The Lakers were a team that shot 36% as a squad, so it's not like they're a dynamic team that we expect some massive regression coming in terms of three-point shooting. But again, as we always talk about, right? Coming back home, when you get these role players in these types of positions, they are much more favorable to rely on at home when you're talking about the KCPs of the world, the bench players of the world, and the added dynamic that Marcus Gasol opens it up a little bit more. Not a true low-post player, can play a little bit more along the perimeter, will facilitate a little bit better, has the ability to shoot more. So I can understand the line moving as strongly as it has in the direction of the Lakers, but kind of like Andy, we talked about personally, I am more selective, and especially in series that I have gotten involved with from a series perspective after game one. Got the Lakers at even money to win this thing, so pulling for the Lake squad overall. But it seems tad high, seven. It's a really big adjustment. I know what's going on with Chris Paul. All right, let's get back to the NHL. Adam Hill, Las Vegas View Journal, joins us next on the Numbers Game. are here and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VSIN hockey expert Andy McNeil tracking all the NHL action and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insight. That's me. Our experts and the entire VSIN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game of VSIN.com and our daily members only best bet emails. Now is the time to cash in on the playoffs. Sign up for your 10 day free trial at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Note that the term expert is only used for Andy McNeil. Very solid because me. I think I just got this role by osmosis because I don't think there's anybody that watches as much NBA on this network than I do. All right, let's talk a little hockey. And, um, Adam Hill is with us, the Las Vegas View Journal. Adam Hill, LVRJ. He's made some appearances on the nightcap as well with Tim Murray, too. Uh, Adam, I'm going to start with this general question. The Vegas Golden Knights, we have seen this offense, again, kind of get stuck in neutral. What has gone wrong with them on that side of the ice? Uh, well, before I get to that, I'm just, I just want to say thank you for addressing the fact that you did a read about yourself. Right. I think it's, it was creeping me out. Well, it's a little weird. Sometimes you'll hear people read them, and it includes them, but they won't address the fact that they're referring to themselves in the third person. So I feel right. like it's a must. Yeah, thank you for breaking that wall. Uh, the, the Golden Knights cannot break through the wall of the wild defense. Oh. Was that a good segue? Yeah, it was. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, listen. It's been ugly. I think the first thing you point to uh, for the Golden Knights and their lack of offensive production in the series, and believe me, I'm not making excuses for them, but it, Max Pacioretty has not been there in this series. Uh, he is such an impactful goal scorer for this team. He's the guy that, you know, when you need a goal, he's going to find a way to score it, whether it's on a power play with a, you know, a slap shot from where his, uh, you know, kind of hit spot on the ice, or whether it's kind of a, a, a you know, a, a greasy goal, uh, just kind of fighting for a rebound, that kind of thing. Like he's a guy that knows how to score. It's a good basketball, John. I'll put it in terms uh, of basketball because that's what you understand. You're the senior NBA analyst. The only thing I understand. Um, yeah, it's you know, it's one thing to 
you know, to be able to try to find your offense when you don't have maybe that, uh, you know, that go-to score if he's out. Like, you're going to have to figure out ways to score and, you know, fill in. But, like, when you really need that bucket, like, who's going to be the guy to go get it for you? And if, you, if you're missing that guy, if he's out, you know, that's when it's really going to show up. And I think that showed up here for the Golden Knights. They really, really need goals. They're at a premium right now. And their guy that's been their, you know, main goal scorer has not been there. So that's big. But you can't you know, make that as an excuse. You've just got to go and find ways to do it. And, you know, for the last couple of games, they have not been able to do it. And it's nothing new. Like, this team has been really ugly in closeout games for a long time now. So let me ask you this, because uh, to keep it again to my simple mind, to a basketball analogy, I have compared the Vegas Golden Knights, Adam, to a jump shooting team with no real presence within four feet of the basket, right? Like, you know, Andy McNeil, who does all of our NHL stuff, we were texting last night, and we were looking at the heat map of these shots, and it's like, it's all around the perimeter. Like, last night's heat map was like just this solid green line across the blue line offensively. Like, the, the shot selection has always been something that's bothered me. Like, this is a team that doesn't really have a lot of traffic within the net, and again, going back to the jump shooting now, when those shots aren't falling from distance, then you're going to have to get those some of those easy buckets, and they just can't generate them. Yeah, I think it, it's fair to say this is a you know a finesse team. If you want to mm-hmm. look at that, like the the way we used to look at God, how mad are like diehard hardcore hockey fans going to be that we just keep comparing everything to basketball here? <laughs> but uh, we're keeping on the theme. But you know, like the the old knock on you know European basketball players used to be like, oh, they're not tough. You know they can't. They can't. You know they're they're too easy to push around, and then the uh, they're too finesse all the time, and you know too pretty, and that doesn't always work in the playoffs. Um, I think that's a kind of a fair comparison, a little bit, uh, with the Golden Knights. Uh, you know, just kind of what they are in playoff hockey. Things are different. You know, in the regular season, eighty-two games, the skill is going to show up, and that finesse can work, and uh, maybe you don't always get it uh, in uh, you know in playoff time when things are a little bit harder. Uh, you've got to fight and claw a little bit more, and they haven't really had that. Uh, I think that's kind of fair to say, but like this is a team that has tried to address that. They've tried to you know, move some pieces around the last couple of years. They've tried to get bigger, more physical. Uh, I will say one thing that the Knights did yesterday is not play Ryan Reeves, who is kind of that you know power physical guy, but they were looking for a little bit even more skill, and you know that might be the wrong direction to have gone, and they might have tried to go a little bit you know more heavy and more physical. Uh, maybe that was the way to to kind of go here, but um, the Golden Knights, for whatever reason, as good as they have been, uh, not only in the regular season but in, in much of you know their 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 playoff history early in the series have been really good. But man, when they have a chance to you know to show that killer instinct, and I don't really really like that term necessarily. I don't think it's a real thing. It's kind of been a real thing with the mm-hmm. Golden Knights. Like they've pushed teams against the wall. They continue to build three one three one leads and can't close it out. So there is something missing from that kind of, you know, maybe maybe the, the finesse that they have is not being able to, you know, put their foot on the opponent's throat and just step on it and, and put them out of their misery. Is there any question as to who is starting in goal for them in Game 7? No. Uh, but I think they've kind of put themselves in this position. Mm-hmm. Like, they, you know, for those that don't follow this team all the time, they use a, a true rotation uh, with Mark Andre Fleury, you know the you know the guy who's been doing it forever, the guy who was their was their mainstay in goal for the first couple of years of franchise, and Robin Leonard, who um, you know the last couple of years has actually been a better goaltender statistically. Uh, they went back and forth between them. Now their win loss records are both very very good, 
but I, some of the advanced metrics uh, on Flurry have been so good this year. It's probably been his best season in the NHL, which is insane to think about. Uh, but you know, the, the, it, they were both basically top ten goaltenders, but Flurry was just better. Uh, when you look at all the different numbers this year, so as much as I've been a you know pound the drum for Robin Leonard guy uh, the last couple of years since he got here, like I think it was pretty clear that Flurry had earned himself the, the the opportunity to start. Now I thought that they probably should have stuck with what they did all year long. They got as many points, you know, they tied for the President's Trophy, so uh, one of the best teams in the league using that rotation. But once you got to the playoffs, Flurry got game one. He was good, even though they lost. They lost it overtime, one nothing. He you know, they give him another start. Instead of going with the rotation that got him got him here, they gave Flurry another start. And then he was good again. And then they give him another one. So at this point, you haven't played Robin Leonard in over two weeks. Flurry's had this whole series. Now the last two games haven't been gems for him. He struggled a little bit. I thought game five, the loss was kind of on him. Yesterday, game six, loss isn't necessarily on him, but he did lose and give up three goals while Kim Talbot got a shutout on the other side. So I think if you put Leonard in now, I think it would just look like too much of a desperation move. I don't know how the team would respond. Plus, Leonard hasn't played in two weeks. I don't know how fair that is to him. I think you put yourself in this position that it's it's Flurry's game. Last 30 seconds, Game 7. Who wins? Oh, man. I, I, I picked a night to meet for the last two games. I thought they'd be able to close it out, and I was wrong. This just feels like it's going in totally the wrong direction. Uh, so I guess I'll lean wild, but I, I'm not confident in this at all. I think this is a true toss-up game. Stone Cold Lock from Adam Hill. He says that guarantee it, the Knights <laughs> will win. Good to talk to you, bud. Thanks. Thank you, man. All right, you got it. All right, last 15 minutes here on a numbers game. we got a couple more stats when it comes to this Lakers-Suns game, and then we'll wrap it up with a little potpourri when we come back. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join the sports betting excitement with BetMGM and you can win $100 for a $1 wager on the Lakers or Suns. And if either team hits a three, you win. How about that? Just use bonus code VSIN100 and get in the ring with the king of sportsbooks so that you can turn game time into showtime. Simply download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and use promo code VSIN100. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee. Color text the red line. 800-889-9789. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, last 10 minutes here on the program. We have a lot to get to. Uh, First off, though, we will start with uh, the news of the day in the sports betting space. Uh, For those who, and most of you probably did, tuned in to follow the money this morning. Big announcement for the guys over at Circa. How about this? Circa Sports guaranteeing $10 million in prize money between two of their NFL contests. Of course, the Circa Millions 3 and the Circa Survivor. As you see there, you can enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. $10 million in guaranteed prizes, all those locations. But how about this? Circa Survivor Contest is going to guarantee $6 million in prizes. That includes a million bucks for anyone who's going to go perfect to 20-0. and 0. You pick one winner each week. You can't pick a team twice. Remember, 18 regular season weeks this year, but Circa is going to count Thanksgiving and Christmas Day games as standalone weeks. So that's where you get the 20 weeks from in the contest. So $6 million for the Circa, and then $4 million a guaranteed prize for the Circa Millions. You see the uh, What's New Circa Survivor right there, and the What's New in the Circa Million 3. Last year guaranteed $3 million. This year, $4 million added 25000 quarterly prizes for the worst record of the booby prize. An additional $1 million is going to be spread among 2nd through 50th place. First quarter, weeks 1 through 4. Second quarter, 5 through 9. Third quarter weeks, 10 through 13. And then the fourth quarter weeks, 14 through 18. And then you see what's new with the Circus Survivor. This year, how about this jump? Last year, guaranteed a million dollars. This year, $6 million. You can get up to six entries here. And as we talked about, right, Thanksgiving Day, where there's three games, Christmas Day, where there's two, your own weeks there. And if a contestant goes 20-0, uses either Tampa Bay or Kansas City in week 18, final week of the regular season, they qualify for the million-dollar bonus. This makes also... The largest football contest prize guarantee ever. 
according to the guys over at Sportsbook. So a big announcement today uh, for the guys over there. Fantastic for those of you who are interested in entering, and why wouldn't you be, in these contests. Again, $10 million guaranteed prizes between the two. That's the best part too, right? Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere in terms of your selections. So you can check that out again. $10 million guaranteed prizes. Kudos to the guys over at Circa. And speaking of which, by the way, Monday, Mike Palm's going to be with us, I believe, right? So how about that? Mike Palm on a Memorial Day, on a day in which he could sit back, relax, chat with Amal Shaw on the nuts, and then, of course, do nothing else. Well, he's a busy guy. He does a lot of stuff. He has decided to grace our presence on Monday. So grace us with his presence? I don't know how that works. Not great at English, despite being a man who speaks for a living. So with that, again, kudos. Very big step up in a lot of those competitions. Uh, can't wait to get involved and get entered. And of course, for this NFL week or this NFL season, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. All right, let's clean up a couple of things. We'll put some bow on some things before we get out of here. First off, uh, to, put, to put forward a couple of numbers and interesting trends when it comes to these uh, series that we are seeing play out. We were talking about Lakers and Suns a couple of minutes ago. And uh, what we're looking at between these two. How about this? So this is, from, again, from John Ewing. Uh, since 2005, according to John, one and two seeds that are underdogs of six or more points in the playoffs, 29 and 42 against the spread, two seed Suns plus seven at the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I think there's, right, you don't want to look at that and go, I'm firing away today, baby, on the Lakers. But there is something to be said. Like, for example, one and two seeds that are underdogs of six or more, you can generally, I think, theorize that because of the one or two seed, they're a pretty good team. But if they're an underdog of six or more points, some sort of catastrophic injury has to have happened, I think, with that team. What's interesting here is there's an argument that there's a catastrophic injury for the Phoenix Suns, but the guy's still out there, right? And Chris Paul, he just clearly doesn't look very healthy. And now you're talking about this team, which – Again, like one of the biggest complaints for me, right, outside of the defensive play that has not been good over the second half of the season, has been the fact that I just don't know if there's a lot of depth for this team outside of their top five, six guys. And if Chris, uh, Chris Paul is not going to be able to play at the same level, then you're talking about a really big drop-off. And when you start to get to the bench, you're not getting the same production from Chris Paul. But again, too, you know, you talk about Devin Booker, solid 30-point game, but still end up with a loss. But I think it's interesting when you look at a trend like that, you can understand why that trend is so strong in one direction because, again, a one or a two seed, they're a very good team. And if they're going to be catching this many points, an injury has to be factored into the equation. But this is the guy, of course, that is going to be on the floor. So, again, like generally thinking, it seems on the surface like a slight overreaction to make the Lakers as high as a seven-point favorite here over the Phoenix Suns. Crazier things have happened, but I'm just hoping the Lakers pull this series off because, like we talked about, it is amazing after game one's how we freak out about a lot of these things going forward. Uh, in reality, it's the best of seven for a reason. Lakers lost game ones of their first two series last year. We're fine, and now we're on their way to at least doing it again after they lost the game one to the Phoenix Suns and potentially on their way to a couple of straight. Let's go to a couple of these series that we haven't talked about today because the games aren't underway. Uh, but one of the things that I am fascinated by, as you know at this point right now, really digging into the numbers, enjoying them a lot, is what has happened with this Clippers and Mavericks series, right? As we look at some of the adjusted series price, too, uh, as the Los Angeles Clippers at this point right now, and this is courtesy of DraftKings, and prices vary depending on where you shop. According to DraftKings series price on the Los Angeles Clippers, minus 200, or excuse me, minus 250, 2 to 1 on the Los Angeles Clippers. My internet let me down for a second. That was with the pregnant pause. Ooh, 225 a bit MGM. So there you go. If you want to lay it with the Dallas Mavericks, you get a little bit of a better price. But again, I will stress this. And four games, five, six, seven. Not a large sample size. But I did love that after watching these two games, and the, the, the Clippers were not perfect by any stretch in terms of the defense, 
But when you're watching like Kristaps Porzingis, for example, from the corner with a guy in his face, throw up a three, it bounces off the rim, goes back iron, and then dribbles in as it's like sitting up there on the 10 for a second and then just falls into the hoop. Like those kind of things. And then you immediately see the tweets fired off. Clippers got to play better defense. And it's like, well, what are you going to do when shots like that are going down for this kind of a team? And you expect at some point when you're looking at the three-point shooting for the Dallas Mavericks, the makes have been absolutely insane when it comes to this team. Now, Luka deserves a lot of credit for the creation of those open looks. He's been absolutely incredible, whether it is Paul George, whether it is Marcus Morris, whether it is Kawhi Leonard, whether it is anybody. Every single one of the defenders that the Clippers have thrown at Luka Doncic, he has bested them in one way or the other. But the ancillary pieces around Doncic, you expect Tim Hardaway to shoot essentially you know, 75% from three. It seems like he's, he's hit every single shot that he's taken. The fact that in that game, too, their three-point shooting in terms of percentage was on par with their free-throw shooting in that game just kind of tells you that you would think that the offensive output for the Dallas Mavericks is not sustainable. And the Clippers, right, like we talked about in that second game, it was one of the points that Drew Dinsick brought up. The pace was a little bit quicker. The offense evened itself out in terms of the three-point shooting, and you saw that game go over the total. And that's the other fascinating aspect about this is was game one the outlier, right, where you're talking about an extremely slow-paced game, where both offenses were firing relatively well and the Clippers didn't shoot the ball well? Or is it this second game? Because through two games, both offenses are performing at a very high level. The pace has kind of been the difference in the two, right, in terms of how quick this game has gone. And we've seen the total adjustment, right? 215.5 was a game two total. We're up to 219.5 for this one in game three. So I wonder if now this adjustment in terms of the total is correct and accurate because I would expect that the Clippers still make this a quicker-paced game. The Mavericks want this to be lower scoring. They want this to be, I think, a slower-paced game. The Clippers don't. They want to get it up and down a little bit more. How many games are the series going to go? You see the price there. But I do think that from the way this game is going to be played for the series – and as we see the adjustment on the total, we can kind of expect this to continue to go up because I do think that from a pace perspective, this is going to be one that I think the Clippers are going to dictate pace-wise. And it seems like a really good spot for Los Angeles in Game 3, but I thought it was a really good spot for Los Angeles in Game 2, and they couldn't stop anybody defensively in that regard. Uh, really quickly, too, and later tonight, just to update this as well, as the Denver Nuggets of the Portland Trailblazers are going to go at it later this evening. Portland Trailblazers a four-point favorite right now against the Denver Nuggets. One of my little, favorite little nuggets here, no, pun intended, uh, with this series, again, one of the biggest issues that I have with the Portland Trailblazers. How about having, from an offensive standpoint, the fourth-best offensive rating in the postseason, averaging 123.4 points every 100 possessions, the Portland Trailblazers, shooting over 40% as a team from beyond the arc, and yet their net rating, negative 1.3 through these two games. Like, that has always been the issue. It's why, like, if you go back to last year, right, everybody was pretty gung-ho about the Portland Trailblazers and, hey, man, watch out, the Los Angeles Lakers might be in trouble, when in reality their net rating dictated there was a team that was barely getting by the skin of their teeth. This is another situation where I think the Trailblazers, from a defensive standpoint, do have some issues. And the, the Denver Nuggets, again, going back to the theme that we have throughout the postseason early on, what is sustainable and what isn't, Seems pretty sustainable that you're going to be able to dictate everything within four feet of the basket. It's just as the shooting going to continue because they did bounce back in a big way, 37% in that second game against the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, and speaking of, by the way, and we have the how many games will the series go, five games plus 275, six games plus 140, seven games at plus 180. A win for the uh, ad nauseum sustainability thing again last night because we haven't even mentioned what happened last night either. We talk about sustainability. We didn't expect 
right? What was going to happen in terms of the three-point shooting for the Utah Jazz to maintain itself, right? The first game, really poor from beyond the arc. You expect Donovan Mitchell to come back. You expect the three-point shooting to come back around. And what happens? Memphis, no answer defensively for the Utah Jazz yesterday. 137.3 in terms of the offensive rating for Utah, 48.7% from beyond the arc, 19 of 39 in terms of what they did. It was absolutely nuts, and that was the biggest weakness for Memphis in terms of their defense, right? Hailing from the whole bud staff and defensive scheme from there, you put an emphasis on rim defense, you allow the perimeter shots. Sure enough, the Utah Jazz come out yesterday. They get their perimeter player back in Donovan Mitchell. Shooting regresses to the mean, and they absolutely dominate Memphis from beyond the arc. So really good showing for Utah. I think this is more like how the series is going to play out as we go forward. But we will see, of course. We play a best of seven for a reason. All right, a lot of fun today. Tomorrow is Friday. Good show on tap as well as we get into a lot of this is kind of potpourri yes, but we have a lot of things to cover tomorrow on the numbers game. Uh, remember, if you missed out on any part of the show today, vcin.com slash podcast is where you want to go. If you missed out on this show, a numbers game, or excuse me, a follow the money, Lombardi line, which is coming up next, that's where you can get all your favorite vcin programs. Until then, we will see you tomorrow here on ANG, bright and early, 7 a.m. Pacific time. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.